Well, hello. Thank you for joining me for today's Daily Bread with Jam, a Holy Spirit You channel podcast. My name is Michelle. I appreciate you being here. And a couple of things I wanted to clarify. Uh, Daily Bread, of course, is a reference to the Word of God, which is our daily bread, the living Word. Um, But also, the implication of that is that just as we eat um, multiple times a day, multiple times a day, we should at least consume the Word of God at least once a day, if not every time we eat. The way that I got started reading the Word when I didn't basically uh, want to read the Word or didn't really understand why I needed to read the Word, and when I refer to Word, just for those of you in the back, is the Bible itself, dedicating and devoting time to that. The way that I got started doing it, the way that I disciplined myself to do it, was by reading at least one scripture every time I ate. Uh, And it helps to make the correlation. Now, that doesn't mean that it's 100% by any stretch, but there has to be a level of consistency and discipline, um, particularly initially when we don't have as much of the Word of God in us. Excuse me. So I want to encourage you in that. Daily bread is that reference. With jam is more of a vibe, if you know what I mean. It's a play on words. Um, Bread, jam, bread, jelly. Jam sounded better for a couple of reasons. One, because those that know me know that I like a good jam. I like to jam. I love music. I'm a musician. I'm a songwriter, more a vocalist. So I am an artist. And so jamming uh, in that respect means a lot to me. So as I say, Uh, Jam could mean the music that's playing in the back or just the vibe that I have going on at that moment. Uh, But at any rate, it's going to be a jam. So Daily Bread with Jam, thank you for joining me today. We're still, I am still in a season where Holy Spirit is impressing upon me to share, um, excuse me, having a little throat troubles this morning. I have some tea with me, so just bear with me. Um. Holy Spirit is continuing to impress upon me the need for us to pivot into a place of blessing and away from a place of cursing. We need to repent of cursing, turn away from, run away from, move away from, hastily, quickly, immediately pivot, not transition. Transition is slower. It has more steps. And there are times in our lives when we have to transition. But what he is calling us to do now is to pivot into a place and a spirit of blessing because we have not been operating according to Holy Spirit in this area. So I'm going to read today. Uh, I may include some scriptures. I may not. But I I make notes when I read, generally speaking, or uh, Holy Spirit will just give me something throughout the day that I try to document in some way. Um, but I want to share this with you because it's something that I wrote a number of years a number of years ago. Um, part of my meditations, part of my prayers that I believe can help you if you want them to help you. So I don't have to, or you don't have to like it or him, him being God, but you do have to trust him. Now this is regarding process. This is regarding the pivot. This is regarding different seasons in our lives and how we approach those seasons, how we hear from God in those seasons. Even if we don't like the season, we're feeling some kind of way about the season. 
so this is about the process, on process and God. You don't have to like it, the process, or him, God. Um, but you do have to trust it, the process, and him, God. And I want to stop there. There's more for me to uh, share. But I want to stop there for a second because anytime that we're operating at a sensual level, I, don't, I didn't say sexual. I said sensual based on the five senses. When we are operating sensually, or, or better put, for those of us that like to operate in the spiritual, spirit of religion, carnality, carnally, sensually, according to the flesh, the spirit of flesh, rather than the spirit of God. Um, we tend to put emotion above truth. We tend to, how I feel is the reality. And that is, that's always been a lie, and it still is a lie. But we, because we, how, of how we're conditioned in the world, it doesn't always, that doesn't always resonate. And many people rebel against the idea that their emotions are superseded by something greater, particularly because that something greater cannot be controlled by them, by me. I've been there. We've all been there. But we have to learn. Uh, and, and many times you will hear me, there's a lot of repetition in what I say because there's a lot of consistency in how Holy Spirit has taught me and trained me in order to understand, and I'm still learning, so I have by, this, I'm not sharing because I have arrived. I'm sharing because I'm still learning. But the things that I have learned, I can share. Um, but Holy Spirit, you know, you know, the Lord said to me a long time ago, one of the pivotal places in my walk of faith, uh, the, the, the faith walk, uh, the faith walk is not a cakewalk. Um, but he told me a long time ago when I was uh, struggling with depression and some other things after I had gone through chemo and been in the hospital and couldn't work and all of these things. And he was bringing me revelation about himself, not just about me. Understand that the Lord is generally, he will tell us about ourselves. But more importantly, he will show us himself because he knows that when he reveals himself, we will see ourselves as we should. We will see him as we should, as he is, but we will also see ourselves as we are. The Bible says that, that John fell down as dead at his feet when he had a revelation of Christ. That's humility. That's the humbling. That's the process. That everything that we think we are falls, bows, is incapacitated to a certain extent. And maybe I don't have that scripture quite right, but you understand what I'm saying. There is implication in the scripture. I'm not looking at it right now, so forgive me if I missed the, the terminology there. But you understand the point, and you know the scripture. And I'll find it at some point. Not, not now, because that's not where I am in the, in the word. But I will find that, and I will tell you what the scripture says. When, when, when John was caught up in the spirit, and he fell down at the feet, maybe perhaps it was of the angel, and they said, no, not, no, get up, right? Which is what we all should be saying when people try to bow down to us or um, call us something. Oh, no, uh, no, uh-uh. Because it, at, at that point, if we accept that and understand this and be very clear about it, Anytime we, uh, we accept someone bowing down to us, we have put ourselves in competition with God. 
because we are to humble ourselves just like everybody else, regardless of our role, our calling, our position, because God is God. He is the standard in and through Christ by the power of Holy Spirit. But many years ago, when he was revealing himself to me, because oftentimes he won't, sometimes God is ever present, but he's not always evident. He's ever present, but he knows how to hide himself. He's present with you, with us right now, but he doesn't always make himself known. But part of faith is believing that he's in the room, whether you can sense him, see him, touch him. You, can, you may not access him sensually, but you can access him spiritually. And this is why the pivot is necessary. And he told me at a very crucial time in my life, he said, because I was combat, I was, I was uh, as, as we like to do, but Lord, but Lord, but Lord, I don't understand. I don't see. I don't know why. Why me? All of that. And he said, you can be on the throne of your life or I can be on the throne of your life. But we're not going to both be up there. And I'm not fighting you for it. And here's what he's saying to us today individually and as the church, if that's what we are. To any of us who say we believe in God through Christ, he's saying, you can be on the throne of your life or I can be on the throne of your life. But we're not going to be both be up there. And I'm not fighting you for it. And I need you to let that sit and to think about it because it is everything in the context of how we go through our process, how we see God when he reveals himself, and how we sense him when he doesn't. This pivot that we're into, we're moving into a season of blessing and life and increased grace and peace and access to resources, spirit, soul, and body. And we have to be prepared for that. Daily repentance is required. Do not go about any more of your day just quoting things just to be quoting them. It's okay to quote it if it's coming up out of your spirit. It's not okay to just randomly out of memorization, out of intellect. Our Father, Lord, our Father, Lord in heaven, I'll be thy name. No. It has to be from a place of humility and repentance. And that's the season we're moving into. And you can stay or you can go. But the season is happening anyway. So it's important for us to pivot into the next phase of this process. All of us may not experience it the same way, but the season is coming anyway. And it is a season to all believers, for all believers. How you engage will depend on you. So process and God. You do not have to like it, the process, or him, God. Notice I said like. I did not say love. We don't ever have to like the process. We don't even have to love the process. We don't really have to like God, but we do have to love him. Love him, loving him means obedience. Because he has all the answers. We say he knows everything, then we treat him, one, like he's not in the room, and two, like he knows nothing. We say, oh, our God is all-powerful, ever-present, and omniscient. He knows everything, he's everywhere, and he has all power. 
And then we treat him as if he doesn't exist. We behave as if he doesn't exist. So we have to understand that our deliverance, whether in the pivot or out of the pivot, is based on obedience. But if he's calling us to a season of pivoting out of cursing into blessing, then if we love him, not just believe, because our faith has to lead to love. The love is our obedience and our deliverance out of certain circumstances, generational or otherwise, personal, individual, public, private things that have been dogging us, that have been plaguing us. The key is our love for God, our love for Christ, which causes us to obey because he has all the answers. He knows how to get us, get us out of it. He knows where the deliverance lies. And in obeying, then we are delivered. We walk right out of it, just as we walked into it. You don't have to like the process or God, but you do have to trust the process and God. And you have to love him because that's where your obedience is. I'm continuing with my notes. My pers- These are notes that I wrote years ago. Uh, what we call the process is God. Now, it's a series of things, of course, but he designed it. He ordained it. He is allowing it to happen. If there's anyone here that thinks anything happens without God, then you need to go back and read the scripture. Apart from him, nothing happens. So how can we say, where is God in that? No, where are you in God? If you believe that you have, quote unquote, the power to exist, or if you believe in your own existence, then you have to believe in the the existence of God. And what I mean by that, because I know many of you don't, even those who claim to believe, you don't believe that God is in everything. You don't believe he has anything to do with anything. He's far off. Well, day of Pentecost said, when Jesus, first of all, let me go back. We just celebrated Christmas. If you celebrate Christmas, you're saying God is no longer far off. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. That was the introduction of God into our lives in a way that, that would bringing the two together. It doesn't mean he wasn't present before. He's always been present, just in a different way. But Christ is evident or implied in every single circumstance. Holy Spirit is evident or implied in every single circumstance. There is no way we can separate ourselves from that. And when we try, then that is, when we even think about that, whether it's because we're ashamed, because we're guilty, because we really don't believe and we don't want to admit our own unbelief, we're saying, and to some degree, God doesn't exist. We can't have it both ways. He's either all-powerful, ever-present, and all-knowing, or he's not. You don't get to pick and choose who God is. He is. The question is, where are we? Where are we in the process? Where are we in our faith? What are we believing? How do we pivot out of cursing into blessing? Because unbelief is cursing. Unbelief is death to faith. Unbelief is saying, I know better than God. You could be on the throne of your life or he can be on the throne of your life. But you're not going to both be up there, and he's not fighting you for it. So if you are ever-present, all-powerful, and all-knowing, then you go ahead and be God. But just recognize, at that moment, you put yourself at odds with him. And some of you have come, and I dare say many. I don't know. I don't have a number. I'm just 
trying to quantify in some way. Many of you have grown up in atmospheres that taught you to fear God, but in the wrong way. Right? There should be a fear of God. But there should be a fear of God that keeps you, that makes you resent God. There shouldn't be a fear. There should be a fear, a holy reverence, a holy respect. Not that he's abusive. God is not abusive. People might be abusive, but that means they're operating in a different spirit. They're not operating in the spirit of God. Because how we treat each other is supposed to represent, is supposed to represent how we feel about God. So many of you, you're, not, you're still developing and discernment and those kinds of things, but all you have to do is look at how people treat you and how you treat other people. How you treat others, how people treat you, how other people treat other people, you can tell what spirit they're operating in. It doesn't mean we all don't have a moment. And if we're believers, then once we have that moment, we will apologize, we will repent, we will do what we have to do to get it straight. God is God. He's always going to be God, and he's always present. He knew your mess before you knew it. He's waiting for you to come clean about it, and you're still trying to hide. It's okay. We've all been there. But let's not act like God just because we don't want to do our part. Let's not act like God doesn't exist just because we don't like the fact that he exists. It's okay. He prefers the honesty to the deception. Once we're honest, then that gives him something to work with. And it also is a step for us in the direction of moving out of cursing into blessing. What we call the process is God. It is the highway of holiness. Also, holiness is not how you look. It's what your heart looks like and how your, your thought process, how much of your process has you, have you gone through. We are not responsible for creating holiness. We don't have that power. We are not even so inclined. The word of God says the heart of man, of humans, is, is dark. Who can know it? Well, he knows it. That's why he's told us to do certain things and not to do others. Because it's about pure-heartedness. That's what holiness is, pure-heartedness. It's not how you look. It's not how you dress. Now, are there certain things as we come to places in our walk that we realize, okay, maybe this isn't the best idea? By the leading of the Spirit, of course. But it's not a wholesale, oh, okay, I need to look a certain way in order to be holy. No, because generally what you're doing is just covering up, literally and spiritually. We shouldn't expose other people. We shouldn't expose ourselves to a certain degree. But we also shouldn't cause one another to trip, to fall. We shouldn't set traps for people by what we do or don't do. Holiness is the pure-heartedness that makes me, that makes you cognizant of the fact that, okay, I like doing X, Y, Z, but if I do this, who's going to be impacted neg negatively? Am I going to cause someone to trip in their faith? Am I setting a trap? Am I laying a trap for someone because they're not yet ready to understand that this is how I operate or to handle this in their own way? Am I helping someone to advance or am I setting people back? It is the narrow way. It is not the way where anything goes. He is the way. It's his way or no way. Now, getting a bit um, 
transparent because I think it's important, and maybe I'll share more of this on a, a separate segment. Many of you, many of us, all of us, in fact, because we came in, we were born into sin. This is, this is what people um, struggle with. Everyone was born into sin, not just the people that want to appear holier than thou. And I say that with every sarcastic thing that I can say it with, but want to tell you what to do, but not abide by it themselves. And, and all of us were born into sin. All of us. There's not one. All have fallen short. That's what all have fallen short of the glory. There's only one that did not. That's why Jesus Christ had to be born a different way because the bloodline was uh, corrupt. So in, in saying that, when we think about our process, that means that there is a generational curse. Sin is the generational curse, and it manifests in different ways in each of us. Go to Galatians 5. Just read Galatians 5. Part of it tells you what sin looks like. The other part tells you what restoration and healing and holiness and righteousness and truth and love look like. Galatians 19 through 21, 5, 19 through 21 is what we were all, something we were all in, born into, how sin looks, manifesting different, differently in each of us. Galatians 5, 22 through 23, tells us what unconditional love looks like once it's manifested by the Spirit of God, the fruit of the Spirit. What is the fruit of the Spirit? What fruit does it bear? So all of us were born into that. So everybody needs to stop talking about everybody else's sin because the process of life is not about you analyzing other people's sin and telling them where they're in sin unless they ask you. Now, if they ask you, that's different. Then speak the truth in love, in love, in love. But if you don't know love and you don't have love unconditionally, or if you have a warped view of what, quote, unquote, love is, then you should not be speaking into someone else's life because you don't have your own stuff together. We don't have to be perfect to encourage each other, but we do have to be kind-hearted. We do have to be repentant. We do have to be humble. So it's not our jobs. We weren't put here. We weren't given an opportunity in this life to get it together. Consider this boot camp for eternity. Boot camp for heaven. Because if we don't get it together here, where are we going to get it together? Where? We don't believe in the middle. We believe absent with the body, is absent from the body, body is present from the Lord. That's what the word of God says. If you don't know where it is, look it up and read it. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. There is no implication anywhere in that that there is a middle. So if that's what we believe, then what have we done in the body before we are absent from it that justifies entry into heaven? That's why this pivot is necessary. We are the ones, whoever you are listening right now, if not if, but however the generational curse came to you, it doesn't matter. If it still exists, then you are the one that the Lord wants to use in the name of Jesus Christ, his son, the savior of the whole world, not just you and yours. 
He wants to use you by the power of the Spirit to break the curse and to walk out of cursing into blessing. That's why this pivot is necessary. Walk out of pivot, pivot, out of blessing into cursing. That requires humility and repentance. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways, humble, turn from their wicked ways as repentance, then pray, I will heal. That's what, that's what he just, that's the equation. Humble, turn, and not just turn like I have my back to it, but turn and run away from it quickly. Whatever the thing is that has been dogging you, your family, your children, he wants to use you. It doesn't matter who you are. So don't, don't do like I used to do, is tell God why he can't use me. No, he said, I, my job is to humble and to repent, humble myself and repent, make myself available. It's not to fix everything. It's not even to fix me. I don't have that kind of power. But he does when I trust myself to him, when I trust his process, when I love him to the extent that I can be obedient even if I don't like it, even if it's painful. Because some of the stuff is just plain painful, and you know it as well as I do. But we have to stop acting like we know everything when we don't. We just don't. There are certain things by experience we have experienced, which gives us a certain knowledge and a certain revelation. But that by no way conveys into me knowing everything. There's no way I can know everything. There's no way you can know everything. We don't collectively know everything because God is God. And he's the only one that is all-knowing, all-powerful, ever-present. So you can continue to excuse God out of your life if you want. That's not reality. That's unbelief. Not disbelief, unbelief, which is counter to faith. And without faith, you cannot please God. So it's time for us to pivot individually and collectively. And I'm going to stop saying us for a minute. It's time for you to pivot. You know why we have so much? We don't understand some very basic spiritual principles. The reason we keep getting what we get is because we keep speaking it with our mouth. We keep sowing into the problem rather than into the solution that God has given us. Now, for many people, it's easy to talk about, okay, well, if you give financially, then yes, I'm going to talk about this because I have nothing against money. But we have overplayed our hand, and God is not pleased. It is important to give. But if we're going to Old Testament give, New Testament give, whatever, however we want to define it, then we better be as heavy on obedience and repentance. That's why the Lord, he, lo he looked at the Pharisees and he says, your worship means nothing to me. It's like filthy rags. The tithe is supposed to be a part of worship. Prayer is supposed to be a part of worship. The assembling of ourselves together is supposed to be a part of worship. We come together and we do all the other things, but we don't talk about repentance. We don't talk about humbling ourselves. Not only do we not talk about it, we don't do it. So he's saying, okay, well, if you're not going to do the whole thing, I don't want any of it. It'll get quiet right about here, I'm sure. But that's okay. Because the reality is God prefers the honesty of our hearts, the purity of heart, 
the blessing that we place on the gifts, talents, resources, financial or otherwise, that he gives us. He wants us to bless those things. He wants us to bless one another. And the way that we become a blessed people is by being obedient, by blessing one another, by looking after one another. And then he ensures because we are operating in a spirit of blessing in his name out of our repentant hearts, then he will ensure that everyone has what they need. That's what the early church was about. We're so busy trying to label things and figure it out, we've lost the whole point. There was a spirit present because of the obedience of those who truly believe. You tell me, 120 days, four months, in a room where all these, however many days it was, all these people together in the same room, the same room, the same space, having to just wait, I'd like to see that today. But there was a spirit present. Right, So there's an implication of the unity of the Spirit, even before the Spirit was fully manifested. Even before the full manifestation of Holy Spirit's presence, there was an implication. It was inferred. It was implied because of the unity of those waiting. Sometimes we don't even try for that. But yet we want the benefit of it. We want to celebrate Pentecost. But what did it take to receive the manifestation? So we're at a place where it's time to pivot. What we've done the past however many years, it's time to move on. It's time to pivot out of cursing into blessing. Where do you feel like your life is cursed? Where are those places where you, growing up or in your, uh, going through your process, whatever it is that you felt like, this is, why is everybody in my family going through this? Why is this happening? And I'm not talking about the transition from manifested eternity, which is time. Time is manifested eternity into eternity itself, out of the natural into the supernatural. I'm not talking about that. We all have to go through that. That's part of the process. The question is, how are you going to go through that? Which door are you going through? Because there certainly is a place in the Bible, and if you don't believe me, go read it, that says many will come, many, many will come to me in that day and say, didn't we do? Didn't we do? Didn't we do? And he will say, depart from me. I never knew you. Because your heart wasn't pure. You wouldn't listen to what I said. He doesn't say he doesn't know your name. He doesn't know you. That's not what he's saying. He's saying you never allowed a place for him in in your life. You thought you had it. You wanted to be on the throne. You didn't want him on the throne, and he didn't fight you for it. If we don't get it together here, where are we going to get it together? If he wants to use us, or since he wants to use us, to break these generational curses, how do we get it together, and how do we obey, and how do we walk in that? to a place where we step out of that for an entire, our previous generation and generations to come. How do we break that? We break it through our obedience. We break it through our humility and our repentance. We break it by saying, you know what, Lord, I really don't like all of this. And it's not to say that joy won't come. But sometimes the process can be rough. I know that, you know that. 
But when we make space, right, like the, the great woman who built another room, that's the, that's the implication. That's what he's saying. I need you to build me a room. So all this old junk you got in these closets, the closets of your heart and your soul, I need you to build me a room. Paul said, till Christ be formed in you. He died for us to live. Now we have to, as living sacrifices, it's an oxymoronic term. Doesn't mean physical death. It means the death of flesh, the death of carnality, the death of us allowing our senses to govern us. So that Holy Spirit can, the same spirit that was in Christ, Live through us, meaning that Christ is living through us. That is the blessing, the blessing of life. Cursing is death. Blessing is life. He's saying all of these places where you've had death in your life, where things have died for no apparent reason, that's a curse. But he also promised to restore. With the moth or the locust or whoever ate what got stolen, he's saying, I'm going to restore all of that. But he's not going to restore it in spite of us. He's going to restore it as we co-labor with him. It's time to pivot. Doing the same things over and over again is called insanity. Everybody can quote that, but we don't seem to get it because we keep doing the same things over and again and expecting a different result. You're not going to get a different result until you do a different thing. Let's walk in the power of the Spirit. Let's be led of the Spirit that is all-knowing, all-seeing, all-powerful, all-present. God knows more about us than we will ever know about ourselves or each other. Why do we spend so much time in this earth, on the earth? We are the world, by the way. The world isn't everybody else. The world is you. The world is me us collectively, we spend so much time focused externally when this journey is about us becoming better internally, spiritually, spirit and soul. The body will fall off, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, to be absent from the body. What's going to be absent from the body? Your spirit and your soul. So if there is no repentance, there is no covering. It's time to pivot. It's time to say, I don't want death in my life anymore. Because the transition really isn't about death. The transition out of the natural into the supernatural should be for everyone about more life. Of course, those of us that are left here when someone else transitions, we don't know what happens. We think we do. We have an idea of it, and I'm sharing some of it with you now, but we don't know what happens to that specific person because that's not for us to know. We have hopes. But the ultimate judge is God in Christ by the power of Holy Spirit. So we have to understand that each of us has to stand on our own. It doesn't mean we don't have community and we don't have gathering, but we have to be encouraging each other in the Lord. And if no one is encouraging you, then encourage your own self. But you cannot let someone else's unbelief or disobedience influence you to the fact where you forfeit your own. 
It's time to pivot. There is more life to be had than we have ever known. Your mouth is the hand of the spirit. I'm sitting here holding a cup of tea. You can't see me, of course. Or maybe you can. I don't know. I'm holding a cup of tea, so my hand is physically grasping that cup of tea. What happens with that cup of tea is determined by my physical hand. Likewise, your mouth, your tongue, go read about the tongue, how unruly it is, who can contain it. Your mouth is the hand of the spirit. So you know why some things are persistent in your life is because that's what you keep putting your spiritual hand on. Well, so-and-so did this, so they go, da-da-da-da, and guess what? You reap what you sow. It doesn't mean we control everything. I need to be very clear about that because there are some things just by virtue of process that are going to happen that we don't know about. But once we know and God has provided instruction or he's giving us personal guidance in the moment, then that is the obedience that we have to lean into. I don't like that term. I don't know why I just use it. But anyway, that is the obedience that we have to adhere to. Please stop saying this is always going to be X way. The only thing that always is is God. And he's already built in areas, places where we can step into life and more abundantly, above all that we could ask or think. What does that mean? It means at some point we have to pivot out of death into more life. We have to pivot out of cursing into blessing. We do. And when I say we, I mean you have to do it individually. I have to do it individually. Any of you listening have to do it individually. Do not depend on someone else for your salvation. Do not rely on someone else's version of salvation for your salvation. You will have to go before the Lord on your own, on your knees right now, just like you will have to stand before him in the day of transition. You're going to step into a place when you pivot and you obey the Lord. We will individually and thus collectively step into a place of blessing, which will make the world a better place. And we always say, I want to make, make the world a better place. Then we sit there and we do all of these things and we talk about people and we, and we get on social media and we uh, throw shade at each other and we don't treat each other with respect and kindness and love and decency. And then we want the blessing of God. What makes you think, if you know God the way you say you do, what makes you think? He's going to bless that. His law is working, though, because he says cursing will beget cursing. Blessing will beget blessing. You don't plant an apple and expect an orange. You plant an apple and you expect an apple. Apply that to your life. What are you planting? If you're planting seeds of division and discord, then you need to repent. You need to humble yourself. You need to repent and you need to pivot. and pray. That's when he will heal the land, your land. The first land he's going to heal is you. Understand which spirit you're operating by. Jesus said there are many things that will be forgiven, but there one thing that will not be forgiven is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, meaning <clears throat> you're calling foul, unruly, ungodly behavior God. And he's saying, I never act like that. I don't act like that. And even if you see something that you don't understand about me, my heart is always pure. 
He's the only one we can say that about. It's always with our best intentions at heart. That's why Christ came for the whole world. Not just your church, not just your family, not just you, not just your culture, not just your race, not just your country. He came for the whole world. And to say anything other than that is blasphemy against God. Christ is not exclusive. He is the most inclusive person ever. If our diversity, as we look at each other, even within the same race or heritage or culture, if our diversity doesn't speak to that, and here we are trying to take each other out, either physically or spiritually, we need to repent. It's time to pivot. Step out of curses, personal, generational. Step out of death into life. Walk consistently in life, improving your own life, taking your own process. I can help you with the process. I can't walk it for you. I've got my own. Each of us has a path. In my, house, in my father's house are many mansions. But guess what? Unless you walk out your process, you're not going to get a mansion. Unless I walk out my process the way he calls me to, the way he leads me, I'm not getting a mansion either. So stop this presumptive thinking about the fact that we're here. What are we here to do? We're not here just to put each other down and to say how much we love God, but we don't want to do anything he says. It's presumptive. David said, keep me from presumptuous sin or from presumption as a sin, which is sin. We have all of these presumptive things that we say, these performative things that we do. But let me tell you, the mansions are tied to the process. The mansions are tied to each individual process and each individual path he has laid out for us. The commonality that we have is that we are all human beings, which means there is more commonality between us than not. We may go through those things in different contexts at different times, just like we grow at different rates, just like we look differently as we grow. But from the spiritual is the blueprint. Discern the spirit, not that someone else is operating in, but that you are operating in. And if you catch yourself on a day, you need to humble yourself and repent, then pray. He's not listening to prayers of unrepentant people. Understand what I'm saying? God does not hear prayers. He chooses not to because he told us what to do. And he's just. So if we follow the instruction, he has to honor his own word. He doesn't, it's not because we did it. It's because we're honoring what he told us to do. If I do what I know to do to humble myself and repent, then pray. Then it's up to him to do the rest. I can't fix anything. I don't have the power to fix it. Neither do you. But there are things we can do to keep it from getting worse to a certain extent. We can check our own selves. Nobody should have to check you. Nobody should have to check me. We should be checking our own self against the true standard, which is Christ. That's why he came. The father in creation. The son in demonstration. Right? The son came to demonstrate, to show us how to live his life. To show us what it looks like when we obey. To show us what it looks like when we walk in love. 
the Father in creation, the Son in manifestation and demonstration, Holy Spirit in transformation. If I don't go, you won't get another helper. I showed you now he's come to fill you. Become the predominant spirit, the only spirit in your life that you should be operating by. Because everything that I showed you, you can't do without Holy Spirit. The same spirit which was in Christ. And I'm not sure what it takes for us to get this. My hope is that something that I share and convey by the, trust me, when I tell you, I would not be sharing if I didn't feel compelled. But my trust and my hope. My faith is that God will use the words he's given me, the way he's given it to me to express, to resonate with someone who's listening. And I hope that person is you because it's time to pivot. It's time for us to stop cursing our resources. It's time for us to stop cursing God. It's time for us to stop cursing each other and pivot into blessing life. And more abundantly, above all that we could ask or think. Thank you for joining me for this segment of Daily Bread with Jam, a podcast by the Holy Spirit You Channel. My name is Michelle. I'll see you next time. Bye bye.